0: I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. Welcome back to another Western Rookie podcast brought to you by Go Hunt. I'm really excited because tonight I have Aaron Snyder on the podcast, and if you've spent any amount of time um thinking about Western hunting or looking at Western content, I'm sure you've came across the name Aaron Snyder or Kafaru or Born Primitive. Aaron is a instrumental person in all of those things and and you've been you've been in the the western hunting I would say I don't know if you call it an industry but it's like your life. I mean you that's what I would when I hear your name I think of someone that is just a dedicated western hunter and I would say that's been decades now. Is that kind of what you'd say?
1: Yeah. Long yeah. <laughs> Long time. I, although I've recently started to hunt whitetails more take a take a you know obviously break in the November time frame and get in a Shit kicked out of me in the western side of things. So, uh but yeah, that's since birth. I've been in the you know out west my whole life, and so you know since the '80s, basically late '80s, '90s, uh definitely doing the backpack hunting, mountain hunting thing.
0: Did you was when you know everyone grows up hunting, and and it's through usually a mentor of some sort. A lot of us, it's a dad or a brother or an uncle. But when you grew up hunting, was it just straight into like backpack style, it deeper in the woods type of hunting? Or was that something that you kind of just navigated into as you got into it? Well, well um,
1: my dad's a, a bit of an alcoholic and he smoked at that time way too much dope. So my initial thing in the hunting was him driving around, drinking significantly and shooting shit out of his truck when I was really little. Right. And so... Okay. um. And when I say really little, I, I've never smoked weed, but I know I've been stoned off contact smoke between my dad and his friend, like passing a, a pipe or a joint back and forth. That's, you know, people are like, that's how you started. And I'm like, well, like, you know, Bible, you know, hand on a Bible. That's how I got started into hunting at a very, very young age. And then when I was super, um, you know, like right going in from middle school to high school, I had the opportunity to work on a trail crew team uh clearing off all the wilderness trails. This was during the summer uh for three months. And with wilderness, anybody that's not familiar, you can't have any power tools. So it's all single or double buck, crosscut saws, axes, you know, hatchets, whatever, loppers for branches. Anyway, um, you know, so yeah, 10 10 miles a day is a little fat kid. Um Into the wilderness i went with a bunch of grown men and that's that's really truthfully where i learned backpack hunting not just the craft of backpacking in but also you know when i was doing that on the trail crew i'm like okay there's there's a shitload of animals back here and i don't see any people so this seems like a real good idea and that is where my love and addiction and, and desire for backpack hunting came from um and never really got into road hunting i say road hunting I don't mind setting up a tent by the road and going in, but I would just, I truthfully I love the wilderness, the outdoors, the, the kind of the struggle of backpack hunting and it never stopped. And now I'm working on 50 here. I just turned 47 a couple of days ago, so
0: oh, never slowed down. Happy belated birthday. But I do imagine back then when you were doing the trail cruise and you were like seeing all those animals back there and no people I got to imagine back then the only people that were going in that deep were people that truly loved it. And that was their also their passion compared to today where you see a lot of content about backcountry hunting. And so everyone thinks they want to do it and they're trying to kind of push back in there because it's becoming kind of the cool thing to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll throw myself on top of the pinnacle of fucking up backpack hunting for everybody. Um, You know, I mean, I say that you guys, your crew, I mean, go hunt, for example, Brady and trail, those guys are just as bad. We've all screwed it up. And I mean, we can only blame ourselves because now at one point in time, I could easily depend on my physical ability and my stubbornness to just last longer. And I could, I could outlast anybody, you know, within reason, Uh, those, those times are come and gone. I mean, now the only thing you'll have going through for you, hopefully is knowledge. So. You will meet people more fit whether that's from crossfit working out whatever you'll meet people young and dumb right <laughs> just hanging out back there don't know what the hell they're doing right learning along the way which is great and so the only thing now that you can possibly hope for is people to not blow all the animals out and, and you have a chance and in many years ago it was you never saw anyone 10 years ago very few five years ago Everywhere. And two years ago, the last time I did, uh, cause I've been up in Canada quite a bit lately. Um, 13 people were in the mule deer spot, nine and a half to 10 miles in backpacked in there for elk and mule deer. So, yep. I can only thank myself for that. Many others cam he fucked it up too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, yeah. um, well, there's a nostalgia around it that I can admit that I think it's, it sounds cool, and it, I've, done da- I've dabbled. I've never done the full-on, you know, week-long, out-of-a-backpack-style hunt. Um, but there's, like, when you tell the story and you say, like, yeah, this is what we went through to get it, that you, like, that story has a lot more weight than the story of, yeah, we drove, a boat, uh, like we drove up the east side of the river, and then we drove up the west side of the river, and we found our buck and shot it, and we drug it back to the tailgate.
1: Dude, I, I agree. I mean, not even that. I mean, add to it, and I've, I've been criticized for this, but you take a, I don't know, whatever, governor's tag holder for mule deer. Yes. That paid, I don't know, pick the dollar amount, 100. And I don't have any issue with governor's tags. I think they're great. I mean, they raise a ton of money for, you know, obvious conservation and wildlife management habitat. But um, compare that to a dude, first, second year, compound, trad, bow, whatever, backpacks in, doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground and shoots a 140 inch three and a half year old. That would be deemed a bad thing compared to most trophy hunters, right? Like three and a half year old buck, not mature. needs to be four at least maybe five, but that dude got it done knowing very little on probably a limited budget with his wife pissed at him most of the way because he was spending money. He shouldn't have and in persevered to get all that to happen. And shot a hundred and forty inch, basically what people would consider a shit buck. That's the story I like. Yeah. Rather than I've got seven dudes from Go Hunt, and I love the guys from Go Hunt or Mossback or whatever other mercenary crew they got with them. Um, you know, seventeen little ninjas scouting, <laughs> right? Basically, a prostitution of an animal. And then at the end, there's like, here it is. Cool story, right? I just, the other story's cooler for me. And as I say it, I'm going to get blasted if whoever listens to this, but I don't have any issue with, I don't, I, the tags are awesome. I love anybody, any type of hunting I love. I'm just saying, I know what that poor bastard did two years into hunting to get that done. Yeah. And I remember what that was like for me. And I still hold that very near and dear to my heart of that, that coolness of just seeing an animal, just getting a shot.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, you know, the the governor's tag, I think they're great programs for wildlife and conservation and raising dollars for those that have the dollars to pay for that. But when you look at, like, what did someone sacrifice to do that, like, the guy that bought the governor's tag probably sacrificed, like, a very, very slim amount of, you know, effort, money, resources. Versus the guy that you talked about that trained all year long and every morning he was up with his backpack hiking and, you know, did all that stuff. I mean, he put his heart and soul into it. So at least he, you know, there's a lot more common ground. Like when you run into people nine miles back, you know you have a lot of things in common with that person.
1: Well, and I mean, the one thing that I don't have common with somebody that buys a... uh governor's tag holders i was obviously not smart with my money we do not have that in common because <laughs> he can afford that shit and i i can't right i you know and so i mean there's a lot to be said for the sacrifice to be able to afford, you know unless you were just handed all the money from your parents but you know the sacrifice to right to you know to get get that tag but there's also like you said it's different it's just and that's why there's it's great for both right i mean it's also for both but I had a guy that messaged me recently that, that made his own longbow and tried to clay haze it up. Right. And, and went in and shot a cow, public land, Colorado, OTC. And uh, I gave that dude my phone number. I'm like, dude, don't just write this story. I want to hear about it. And it was super cool. And then I had another guy that story was much, much different and shot a bull that was over 400 inches. And my, I, my wiener did not get stiff from that story. It got stiff from the dude that shot the cow because I know what that guy went through. You know, and, and the ass weapon he took to kill it was a bow he made himself. So, again, both of them are awesome. That's just more where I came from, and I appreciate that more.
0: Oh, yeah. And you also – I mean, I think I've heard you say before that at one point in your life, compound archery became boring for you, so you decided to make it hard on yourself, and you, you shot a lot of trad. Like, not just shooting, but, like, you hunted with the trad bow for a long time.
1: I did Uh, 2016 – uh, yeah, I, five, six years, I hunted with a stick bow and, and yeah, luckily enough, I did, I had, I mean, I, I shot a few hundred animals with a stick, bow. I mean, I had good luck with it, but it was, a, it was, it, I mean, it's, it was a pain in the butt. I mean, it, it, it yeah. took some, some doing to put an animal, I don't think people realize the ass whooping I received and maybe they do, um, to, to put animals on the ground with a, with, you know, with a, with a stick bow. I mean, dude, a doe it's hard enough with a stick bow, right? I mean, it's, it's difficult. So, you know, you get down into that argument of, okay, what, what's a, what's a trophy? Okay. So you get a guy who's a gun guy and a big trophy hunter and say trophy, older age class, you know, wants to shoot something over 200 inches. And then you've got a guy that limits his, his distance, right? He limits technology. And that's, you know, that's your own personal choice. And he shoots, a self-made bow or a recurve he's got a limited distance of 25 yards and then the rifle hunter and this is where the industry stuff kind of bugs the shit out of me the rifle hunter cranked one four or five hundred yards away both of them are awesome but that guy really shouldn't shit on the dude shooting a a self-bow or a recurve that that shoots a three or four year old deer um they both took a lot of effort and they both took sacrifice and they're different but i've never you know they and they both shit on each other which is unfortunate with all the problems we have going is the dude with the stick bow is going to talk shit about the guy with the rifle oh he didn't work hard enough and the guy with the rifle is going to be like oh stick bow shot a 3 year old horrible for you know it's it's shitty that that's what the industry's come to but that is 100% what the industry has come to and it's it's depressing
0: yeah I'm going i going off on a tangent here i, I agree with you i mean I'm an engineer, so I, like, I jump to numbers a lot to, like, prove ideas, and I've heard it, like, yeah. I've been in, like, I've been, like, the little third wheel of a conversation where it was, like, a, a predominant archery guy talking to, like, a predominant rifle guy, and the the thing was, like, oh, you, you know, a 600, 800-yard shot's too far, right, like, the 600-yard shot's too far, and then I'm, like, Didn't you just shoot an elk at 60 yards with your bow? Like, I have a feeling those projectiles were in the air the exact same time.
1: Uh, This is what got me to shoot a stick was uh, I was not a fan of traditional archers. And I did a podcast with, you know, God forbid the voice of mathematics and reason come into play. And, uh, (laughs) you know, so anyway, I you know did the whole, okay, you know, 74 yards with a, a compound is, 27 with a stick bow with these speeds and anyway same thing right and so it uh i i just i had a lot of, of traditional archers um and people are probably listening to this saying oh, i don't want to hear the story again because i've probably told this 50 times over the last 10 years but i had a lot of hate mail from tra- tra- hate mail from traditional archers saying that i wouldn't i was using technology as a crutch and would not be successful with a stick bow and, and i will say they were right, right? I mean, not the successful part. I figured it out, but it was an eye-opener of like, yep, I am definitely using my shooting ability and technology as a crutch because, you know, I'd shoot shit at 100 yards without blinking an eye with a compound and, and people could say what they want. I didn't miss very much. I mean, it, I was I was a good enough shot. And, and certainly 50, like 50 to 70 was like the gimme range because they didn't get out of the way from the noise. So then I was like, Son of a bitch! At 80 yard shot, shots like a par four. Like it's gonna take a minute to get closer, you know. <laughs> so I learned a lot about my own ability and what deficiencies I had. It made me a better hunter, all the way around. And it made me appreciate hunting even more with this stick mode.
0: Yeah, well, I imagine you know getting within 80 yards of an elk, let's Jay say, isn't necessarily an easy task, especially for someone that like is a flatlander. That planning a western hunt can be challenging. There's a lot of states and a lot of species to choose from, and even once you've boiled it down to where you're going and what you'll be hunting, there's still dozens of options of units. It can be hard to pick where to hunt and make the most of your time, especially if you're coming from the Midwest like myself, and you've only got a week to get the job done. One of the things that I've been using on every hunt I plan is the filtering 2.0 tool that GoHunt has in their insider service. I use it to filter units based on draw odds, success rates, public land, and herd ratios, even trophy quality, to find the perfect unit for our hunt, so I know we're making a good choice with our time. When you've only got seven days to get the job done, there's not a lot of time to be switching units in the middle of the hunt, so I like knowing we're headed to the right unit from the start. Go to GoHunt.com and check out the insider service and the filtering 2.0 tool and you'll see why I use it on every hunt because it has all the information I need to make the decision process simple. And when you sign up, use the code WESTERN and you'll get $50 of free credit inside their gear shop. Not only is Go Hunt going to help you be in the right spot this fall, they're going to help make sure you've got the best gear in your pack to be successful. Head over to GoHunt.com, get signed up, and start planning your fall. You don't get a lot of opportunities. You don't get a lot of reps in. Now now say you nope, that's not good enough. Now you like you really need to be at twenty. Right? I mean that's a oh, you're yeah. not even playing the same game anymore.
1: Mm.
0: And in a way, like
1: Yeah, it it got my I I mean it kicked my ass. I mean it was it was
0: difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. You know, going back to the trophy thing, I'm a strong proponent of like shoot what makes you happy. If that's not gonna make you happy, like strive for something else. Like set a goal for yourself that you know you'd be happy for. And shoot it, and I'm the kind of the the testament to that. My first bull was a once in a lifetime North Dakota tag. I shot it with a rifle on September 8th in the middle of the rut, and it was a 354 inch, just a beautiful six by six. And now when we go archery hunting, I'm shooting the first legal bull because it's so much harder with a bow than a rifle, you know. And it, and that's what's going to make me happy with the bow, versus would I shoot a raghorn on a once in a lifetime tag when I can use my rifle in the Badlands during the entire rut? you know, that's, that's where I was like, yeah, that's not going to make me happy. as happy.
1: Dude. I, I just got into a heated debate on my podcast with a guy. I mean, it's so heated. I'm, I'm not going to post it cause I feel it's really going to make him look bad um, about that exact subject of it's a hard sell. Like even for me and I I've, I've been lucky enough to shoot some really big elk and some really small elk to go to Colorado for, you know, hypothetically on an OTC tag and not shoot the first legal bull that walks in front of me. Even even me, even when I say me, I, I'm not putting myself on any other pedestal other than I've done this my whole life. And it's it is my life. And I will shoot the shit out of the first legal bull on an OTC tag because I like to eat elk meat. Right. I I love elk. And his thing was I should not do that. I should pass let that pass and let somebody may somebody less experienced, uh, potentially shoot that elk. And I, I get it right. Which is why I've chose to not hunt OTC as much because I am going to shoot that elk and I'm not going to pass up an elk. And that's a hundred percent legitimate that someone else with, let's say you coming from uh, North South Dakota or Iowa or whatever, you, you know, you're, you're coming out West right. and his whole thing was the white, was the white tails you know, let them go so they can grow. And I'm like, dude, that shit does not work on public land. Let them go so they can grow. Also has a small fine print up on private, right? Like that's the number one thing why it works is there's so much private for whitetail. Well, I don't have it in me to pass up an elk on public land OTC. And so I'm like, I just, I truthfully did just stop hunting, uh, public OTC. Cause I will shoot those elk. I mean, I, I, I mean, I won't even blink an eye. And so I end up spending time. I'll either pay for a landowner tag to hunt limited draw areas or just not hunt elk at all and choose a different animal. And it was a very heated debate because that's a big ask out of state, let's say 700 for the tag traveling expenses, taking off time. And I've got to tell some dude like, Oh no, dude, you, you let it grow. You know, don't shoot that 650 pound elk. Let it grow. Right. When he's like, yeah, my wife's going to fucking kill me. I spent all this money and you want me to shoot that. I'm going to come home empty handed. It's a big (laughs) ask.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would I would have a hard time telling anyone not to shoot an elk that, you know, they want to shoot because of X, Y or Z reason. You know, it's too big. It's too much, too hard to get it out. That's the one that really bothers me. I'm like, you know, you get one week a year to do this like we do. Who cares if it takes two days to pack this thing out? Like, I'll help you. Like, (laughs) let's do it. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, I, you know, and I'm not, there's not a right or wrong. It's what's right or wrong for you. And so, I've had, and that's one of the reasons that that specific conversation got heated, is he said I was wrong. And I'm like, how can it be wrong if it's the way I feel? (laughs) Yeah. Like that, you know, this isn't politics or anything else. This is a tag the state of Colorado has deemed a okay for me to purchase. And a okay for me to fill. So if they've said it's okay, I think it's okay if I go. Well, then it got into a much more heated debate on are they allocating the tags correctly, whatever, whatever. And it's like, well, if I it would be difficult if you asked me for advice on coming, I would tell you, shoot the first legal thing that walks in front of you, man. If you're wanting to eat it and you're truly a hunter and an outdoorsman, yeah, you eat the animal, you don't eat the horns shoot first thing you see. Now, if it's 15 years down the road, you've killed a ton of different animals. Your views may change. Your, your goals may change. And I totally get that. But then you're not calling me for advice at that point. <laughs> you're giving someone else advice. Yeah. So in those new years, in those beginning years, I mean, part of the, the best, the ass whooping you receive on the pack out is literally going to be what you remember Twenty, thirty, forty years down the road is how you and your buddy just got fucked up packing an elk out in the middle of the night. Like that—that'll be remembered most. Well, if you're just like I'm going to let it pass, you're never going to experience that ass whooping of of uh, getting that elk out. So,
0: yeah, my brother's first archery elk was actually a, a good bull. I mean, it was a six by six bull. He shot it at five thirty on the last evening, um, and they had they were three miles away from the trailhead and then they took the trail to camp. And so they sent one, they're hunting in three, they sent one guy back to get the pack frames. They did the pictures and quartered everything. Well, then there was a fourth buddy who really didn't do a lot of prep work in the summer, and so he had blisters on his ankles or both heels the size of quarters. Yeah. And sure enough, yeah. when he came back to camp, he laced up those boots and he went out and helped, and they didn't get back to camp until two thirty three in the morning, and he didn't say one word about those blisters the entire way, just because, like you said, <laughs> like it was that. And it's, you know, I've always told people when they ask, like they want to get into elk hunting, what it's like, and it's like it's the only thing that I do in my life that I'm, you know, physically kind of uncomfortable, maybe even borderline miserable for an entire week, and as soon as it's over, I'm starting to think about next year. Like yeah. I just can't wait to well, do it yeah. again.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like that for thank God, for me anymore because I got the hang of it. Um, so I'm not in misery as much as I used to be. Plus, you know, when you're poor, you got to be pretty tough when it comes to gear. And then when you're ignorant, you also have to be pretty tough. And generally when you're poor, you're also ignorant. So it's kind of a double whammy of pain (laughs) and suffering, right? So, you know, 10 years into it, you've got a financial, you know, you, you're, you're doing fine enough financially. You can afford some decent gear. You're also doing fair enough, you know, fine enough with 10 years of experience. You get the hang of it. Oh yeah. But you can have just a shit show of a first hunt of uh, like uh, packing list guys carrying on a backpack hunt, 40 extra pounds and what they need, things like that. Like it's a good learning tool. It's that will help you going off the deep end here. That is the best way to learn. Cause it's like touching a stove. I can tell you it's hot and tell my kid it's hot, but tell little bastard touches the stove and he knows it's hot. Well, I can tell you, all kinds of things about backpack hunting, but until you go out there and learn it for yourself, that is when you learn the the best blunt force trauma and like not say you want to hit somebody in the head. Right. But blunt force trauma, meaning when I'm teaching you and repetition are the only two ways to learn. Well, I can't be in the back, be there smacking you the back of the head every time you fuck up. So uh, you're going to learn it from your own blunt force trauma trauma and and repetition.
0: Oh Yeah. And so one of the things that, and I don't know why people ask me because maybe it's because, like, when you're on the outside looking to get into, like, western hunting or elk hunting, you kind of just think elk hunting is elk hunting, right? But I'm pretty adamant that we don't backpack hunt. We base camp hunt. Like, we day hunt out of a big base camp, right? Well, I'll get people that ask me, like, hey, I'm going to do this 14-day, I'm doing a 14-day Colorado elk hunt. Like, would you bring this stove or that stove? And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa have you ever elk hunted before? And they're like, no, this is my first trip. I'm going with my dad. And I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. Like, (laughs) I think we skipped a few steps before we got to decide on what stove to use. And I don't know how to answer that question because I don't want to like offend anyone or tell them that they're not tough enough to do it. But the little bit of solo hunting I have done, I know what they're in for. And I'm like, I don't think this is going to go well for you, man. (laughs)
1: And yeah. I've kind of given up worrying about people thinking I'm a dick because it, it literally saves them money by just saying, you know, hey, maybe, maybe like do an overnight or like camp by the car and spike out a couple times. Make sure you even like it. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, 14 days, I mean, that's, that's serious. I mean, that's, you got to think about food differently. You got to think about water. You got to think about like sleep systems. You got to think about a lot of things differently than if you're just going to go out in the woods for an afternoon. And, and, and I can, I can, This episode is brought to you by Steelhead Outdoors, creators of the only American-made, fire-insulated, modular gun safe on the market. That means you no longer have to convince three or four of your buddies to help you move your safe. No more blown-out backs or pulled muscles, and no more dings and dents to your home. They recommend having two people to lift and assemble your safe, which would make it incredibly easy because I just put my Recon 32 together by myself, and I had it set up in less than an hour. I carried each panel of my safe into my home with just my two hands. Yet once assembled, it had the same security and ruggedness you would expect from a gun safe. They have designed an integrated door frame, so it is nearly impossible to get into your gun safe without the code, which means your firearms are always 100% secure. Before I had my Steelhead Outdoors safe, I needed to get three buddies to help me move my old safe in and out of my home, and it was always the most stressful part of moving. But not anymore. Plus, every Steelhead Outdoor safe is made right here in Minnesota from start to finish, which means you are supporting a local business when you buy a Steelhead Outdoor safe. Check out steelheadoutdoors.com to see all of their size and color options and pick the right one for you. And use the code WESTERNROOKIE, that's one word, WESTERNROOKIE, to save $150 on your Steelhead Outdoor safe.
1: And promise you, and and uh, you know, there's always people hyperbole, full
0: of shit online or whatever. You know,
1: like the what your pack weighed that those some of those numbers are
0: pretty. Oh, you mean like how every outcorder weighs at least a hundred pounds?
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah. And uh, you know, it's uphill both ways. So, like the the same thing on the the amount of time people stay, like fourteen days. There is a finite amount of people that are even capable of doing that. And when I say that a true 14-day backpack hunt with all of your shit on your back, not dropped off early, but you're actually carrying it in and staying out for 14 days, solo specifically, but even with a buddy, when I say finite amount of people, I would say one in a hundred might be able to do it, of people that actually backpack hunt. Hunters, it's probably one in a thousand, but backpack hunters because one in a hundred backpack hunters probably even want to do it, let alone, you know, can do it. And I say most of them would be like, I'd probably do it. Why? That makes sense because it's a lot easier to go in for five, come back for one or two, go back out for five, come back for one or two, go back in for two or three. Um, You know, if you're more mobile doing that, you know, you're definitely not killing yourself because a lot of the problem with 14 days worth of shit, which is heavy, you're smoked when you get there. And so you're going to have another day of downtime, maybe two with, with 14 days of crap on your back. And if you're doing 14 days and only going in two miles, why, right. I can, I, I can, you know, run out and buy Copenhagen and run back in for a two mile trip, right. That you don't do 14 day trips, two miles in, it doesn't make any sense. The reason you do 14 day trips is you're going far enough in that it, you don't want to go in and out. Well, if it's two miles in, like I'll run out and buy marshmallows and shit. I mean, two miles is nothing. I'll carry your ass out for two miles. So again, there's like learning where, how many days you want to stay, how much weight you want to carry things like that. And some people do it just, and I get it to say they did it, but most people doing that are not going to make it 14 days on backpack.
0: No. And that's what I don't, I don't know. Maybe I just got to get through a couple more reps and then I will have the heart to tell them that you're going to do like four days and then you're going to end up at the holiday end.
1: I, I would just tell them to do that. I would just say, Hey, you know what? Um, you know say i've never you know you can say i've known a ton of people like it's way better to do you know four nights do four nights see how it goes go back eat a cheeseburger punch your clown take a shower head back in. that's way safer bet so
0: oh yeah i mean i've done i've always said in our group that i i am not opposed to spiking out but i want to do it for like a tactical reason i don't want to just do it to check a box like if there's elk but they're seven miles in like, that would make sense to me to camp, like, five miles in so we can cut that 10-mile round trip out every day. I don't want to, like, yeah. like you said, camp a mile off the road just to check the box and say I camped on the ground. But there's a lot well, of – There's some funny uh,
1: – there's some people that do that just to say they're backpacking
0: we did it this year just to test our spike system. Cause we've said every year we're going to do it. And then this year it, yeah. we did it just to test out all of our gear. And it was, fun, it was, it was fun and it was a lot easier, you know, especially when you can basically see your truck down the mountain. Still, <laughs> It's, you know, yeah, there's not well, a lot of uncomfort when you're like, well, worst case I could be at my truck in 20 minutes. Right. Yeah. And so, and it yeah, wasn't that bad.
1: Good way to do it, to test your gear out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the other thing too, is some people, me being one of them, I just, I love backpacking. So like if I wasn't backpack hunting, I'd still be backpacking. My wife loves to backpack. Like we, we like backpacking in and fishing or whatever else. So some of it for me is I just like backpacking in and and hunting. Um, But at one point in time, that was truly to get away from people as much as just like liking the backpack hunt. Yeah. Now the getting away from people, like I have a higher probability of seeing people five miles in, then I probably two 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 and a half because it's so glorified the backpack hunting thing. And so, and I've had some funny stories. I mean, I ran into a dude eight miles in on a mule deer hunt. I was going over the, I, 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 I had already crossed the summit set up my camp, but I was going back over to, to glass mule deer in different angles. And he was at the summit coming over, hunched over. I think he is from like North Carolina or something. And I was like, what's up, dude? He's like, "Holy, Holly, shit. It's Aaron Snyder. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm Aaron Snyder. Uh, you know, you come, you know, can I help you? Where are you going? Whatever. He's like, Oh, I left my fucking wife two miles back. I got to go back and get her. I'm like, Oh, are you bringing her back up? here? It's like, fuck, no, I'm not hunting back here. This was a horrible idea. I just wanted to see what it looked like. I'm going <laughs> back to the truck. And so I've had a lot of, a lot of stories, you know, like that because it is, it is very exaggerated, glorified, and in whatever the other word is. And then you get back there and it's, it's not, quite as fun as it probably seemed like it would it would be
0: right? yeah well there's like a there's like this weird little I don't know if it's a triangle or what it is but I feel like it's kind of like this death triangle in a way um, when it that people like newer people don't really think through right and it's first of all there's it's hard to find like you said the numbers like one out of a thousand I think that's pretty generous people could do like a true long format backpack hunt i'd probably say it's probably more like one in five thousand of your average hunter
1: yeah no you're probably right
0: (laughs) so you you, the odds are you're not going to have a person along with you that or like a group that every single one of them maybe like there's a couple unique people like Corey and his buddy did the whole alaskan elk thing and that was a it sounded like a they were experienced guys and that was still a rodeo and so you there's a good chance you're doing it by yourself right
1: Oh, Jacobson, is that when they got eaten? Like, didn't they run into
0: grizzlies and or he brown didn't, bears and No, that? he didn't get they eaten. Were... He shot a Kodiak. He shot an elk on a fognac, but one of the oh, guys fognac, got super yeah. sick, and then they had stayed out overnight because they were so far back, and they couldn't start a fire because it was so wet.
1: But he, even that's even that's different. The fognac, you can fart on one side here, on the, you smell it on the other, right? It's not a big, big area in comparison to. Some of the, so I mean, pick a, the Bob Marshall wilderness. Like, that's huge. Where the fog neck, I'm not saying they didn't backpack in, but that's no. more of a bear issue than, than it was anything. a bear like, and a that, steepness.
0: Like... I think it was a steepness and like an underbrush. Like, they couldn't move as fast as they thought they oh, were going to be able to move. I don't know. There's a whole, underbrush is there's a movie about it. Horrible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Underbrush is horrible there, too.
0: It's probably like, soft ground. Cool. So, but yeah. So and you wet. go, you're, All... <laughs> you're probably alone. And you're like, I'm going to go 14 miles back, right? And then I'm doing the math, like, well, even if you brought 100% freeze-dried food, that's like, you know, 200 calories an ounce is like, the you can't even find that. But let's just use that. You need like 3,000 calories a day, right? So that's 50, that's a pound of food a day. That's freeze-dried food. Like, you need at least a – and then no one's doing 100% freeze-dried. No one's getting 200 calories per ounce. So you got all this weight. And you, like you said, you're going to – if you're going to backpack, you're going to go f- deeper in, which is like the other point of the triangle – What happens when you shoot one? Like, is no one talking about this? Like, what are you going to do when you shoot one 10 miles back by yourself? I mean, that's the, I mean, we've, uh, keep in mind, I was
1: like, I started websites uh, years ago to try to help with this. And now, like, I I started Rock Slide. Dumbest mistake I've ever made. I wish that website was never created. But (laughs) we started it originally to talk about things like this because if you do the math and let's just say solo five miles in, even a hurricane dude like me has got to take two trips with elk, for sure. Probably three with gear, but I can do it in two if it's a smaller bull. But let's say three trips with the with your gear. Yeah, that's in, like in, let's say you shoot in, a bull you want a shoulder,
0: shoulder
1: mount. Yeah, yeah, that's even worse. So, you know, you've got, obviously, you're, you know, bull, you, truck. So five, right? Yeah. 10, 15, 20, 25, minimum. 25 miles, with 80 to a hundred pounds in your back. So depending upon if you can do it in two or three trips or four, it's pretty quick. Cause you're like five, first trip, 10, second trip, 15, 20, third trip, 25, three trips, 25 miles. And I've heard guys say, you know, got the bull out. I was seven miles in, got it out in a day. I'm like, wow. no, do you want to no hunt kidding. with me? Like, want to pack my elk out? Yeah, <laughs> you're the one. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> huh, were you snorting cocaine and Adderall at the same? Like, what? how'd, how'd you do that? Right. I don't ever say that anymore because it's just like, hey, make them – I want them to feel good about themselves. But mathematically and in, 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 in knowing, like, I know some pipe-hitting dudes. Like, I mean just some, some stone-cold studs that would be like – why would we do that? That's stupid. We'll just stay the night. Why would we do that? You know what I mean? Like, again, common sense has to come into play at some point where it's like, we'll just do it in two days, Yeah, which is what you, you know, you should do it. And I have done some dumb shit. Like, I mean, I've, I've carried some heavy weight for one trip out cause I didn't want to come back in. But again, that's terrain dependent. You know, when I say terrain dependent, is it downhill? Most of the ways it steep downhill. Is it moderately downhill? Do I have water? Right. You know, can I, anyway, there's a lot to it. And uh, you know, you also have to be used to, Like I can't dunk a basketball, right? So I I can't golf, but I can haul heavy weight. So some people can't dunk. I, I can't, but I can haul heavy weight, right? So some people cannot haul heavy weight. So even discussing this isn't in the cards, right? They're taking 70 pound loads, maybe, right? Some people just can't carry heavy shit. And you have to know that before you get yourself into trouble.
0: Yeah, because if you don't figure this out, like, you could easily be – I mean, like, the worst case is, like, early season archery, right? It's warm. You shoot a bowl. Maybe you don't have a way to, like, get it on a stream or get it in the shade. Like, you, all of a sudden, there's, these odds start getting stacked against you. And I feel like there's, like, a couple of people that have asked me about this, and I feel like they just completely glossed over the fact they might actually shoot one. Right? Like they're almost, they're planning like to go on a hike with their bow and not, they're like, yeah, we won't shoot one.
1: (laughs) Man, I, I don't want, yeah, I don't want to get into too many stories about that, but I, I do have a few of, uh, you know, depending upon, obviously I own Kefaru or I am one of the owners of Kefaru's backpacks, right? Right. Sell backpacks. So between, um, man, I've ran into people that have magically actually killed something finally. Right. And their pack is not equipped to haul an an elk out very easily. They don't have really have a kill kit. They don't really know what they're doing. Like, you know, they went in with like with a smile and a Coke, (laughs) you know, in, in a, in a mountain house. Right. And I'm like, Oh shit. So, you know, I've helped them out. You know, you want to teach them, you know, you want to help them and teach them, but literally during the discussion of me literally cutting out their, cutting apart their entire elk, I quickly found exactly what you said. They just, didn't plan on killing shit. Like they had no, th- no doubt they were going home empty handed and they did. And then they were like, Oh shit. Like the one kid just jab. I mean, I'm talking like full on, what was that? Pulp fiction, you know, stabbed her three times, like stabbed it straight down the guts, Ripped the knife down, shit everywhere. Had no idea how to gut the elk. And, uh, you know, I rolled up on him and I was like, what in <laughs> the fuck are you doing? So, yeah. Uh, and I mean, it is, it is what it is. Like, The first animal I ever had to break apart, like there was moss and rocks and dirt and shit everywhere where now, you know, I can solo can debone an animal and an elk in an hour. I mean, you know, I probably quicker than that unless it's in bad terrain. First time probably took me six hours and I was chewing on rocks the rest of the year from my, uh, my processing ability. So
0: (laughs) that's funny. I can just picture like what you were thinking, like that feeling when you walk up on a guy and he's just, you know gutting an elk with a you know a hatchet or whatever i mean we don't even gut them like we don't gut them at all we do the gutless method 100 of the yeah, way gutless method but
1: yeah. no that's uh, that's the best way to do it and it, you know even that's kind of an art when you talk about the gutless method and then deboning people get really wrapped up around you know deboning and and i, and I tell them i'm like look if you don't know what you're doing just put ass one bag backstrap one bag like so i you know, like, it's like hey i'm trying to teach them like how to you know follow when you debone like i debone the rear quarters on on you know on the animal i don't i don't pull them off right okay it's no different the, the cuts are the same right so you have your rounds and i mean and so trying to explain how to do that i've had guys find me on the side of the mountain and i'm like jesus have your buddy hold the phone and they'll hold it and then i'll show them like where to make the cuts because i want them to learn right i want them yeah. to know how to do it and i take that for granted because now an animal hits the ground you know i'm you know, like the whatever what was that, the the Sesame Street with the guy throwing meat behind him. Like, I'm just cutting like crazy and guys are stacking meat everywhere. But I've done it hundreds of times. I have to remember the first time I did it where I'm like, uh, no, maybe uh, hmm, no shit. Where do I cut this thing? I just didn't know. Right. I just, you know, yeah.
0: practice. And I'm sure in the 80s and 90s, you had that YouTube video saved on your iPhone for how to do it. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I
0: mean, <laughs> the, if you, YouTube
1: is a powerful thing, right. And I mean, luckily, and I, and I've watched, you know, there's not too many, I think, man, I, I think I've got a couple, I think elk shaped Dan Staten's got a couple, Corey's got a couple good videos on, on deboning um, animals, which is good. Right. I mean, and, and the gutless method and everything else. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I, I but it, I I hate to be the old guy, which I'm starting to be that, you know, it was uphill both ways, uh, you know, type of thing. But like, I didn't have range finders when I started hunting, right. Let alone the internet or cell phones. So like the things I learned judging yardage, very important land navigation. We didn't have GPSs. So I had to actually learn to land, like to navigate with a compass. Like a lot of things that have carried me and helped me through the years weren't by choice. I just had to do that shit because of technology. Now you can Google anything you want. You've got Chris Rowe. You've got Corey Jacobson. Uh, Phelps Game Calls, Elk Bros. Yeah, I mean, there's galore. You can learn all yeah. you want about Elk Honey, Elk Nut, The Playbook. I don't – I mean. Where, you know, I learned by like, oh, fuck, that elk's running the wrong way. (laughs) That didn't work. Shit, that didn't work. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You remember that. (laughs) Like the the cone of
0: Hey, friends, if you're listening to this podcast, I know you're an avid hunter just like myself, and we are always looking to get more time in the woods each season. One of the ways that's helped me get more time in the stand is by using Maverick hunting blinds. When I'm comfortable, I stay in the stand longer, and I'm more focused on deer the entire time. I don't turn around, so my hood cuts the wind, and I'm not taking shelter from the rain. The best way to stay comfortable is with a hard-sided blind, and my favorite is Maverick's six-panel booner blind, which allows me to rifle and bow hunt out of the same blind. The best part is Maverick has a blind for every spot, so whether you're looking for a rifle-only spot or a bow and rifle option or even a round blind to cut the wind resistance down, Maverick has you covered. No matter which option you go with, you're going to be comfortable and sit longer in the stand for all of your upcoming seasons. Go to Maverick.
1: Shame going back to camp because you uh, blew every elk out because you didn't know what you were doing.
0: Yeah. Well, and so there, like, there is a good point. There's a lot of things you can learn, like about like technical or tactical things to elk hunt. Like the like the Elk Nook playbook. Everyone in our group has that book, and that's how we learned how to call elk. Randy Newberg's videos on how to find elk, public land, all that stuff, Corey Jacobson, how to actually run a mouth call, all these things. You can look them up. You can look up gear reviews. You can look up YouTube videos, how to do stuff. The one thing that really bit me in the butt personally, and I think is going to bite a lot of people in the butt, and you can't just look up a YouTube video for it, is how to deal with your mind when you're by yourself in the mountains. Yeah,
1: I've I've done a lot of podcasts on that. Um, When I say I've done a lot of podcasts on that, the three main things that are not talked about, one is just mental toughness, how to deal with your mind. Two is animal behavior, because, you know, you may be able to call up a storm, but if you don't know what the elk are doing, it then, you know, you got to find elk. Woodsmanship is not heavily stressed. And, and I'm kind of a stickler on that when I say woodsmanship, land navigation, reading terrain, what the animals eat, you know, whatever, things like that. But dealing with your mind, your mind will crush you far before anything else does. And when I say that um, there are a few people that their minds are so strong, you know, cause normally your mind fails before your body. Oh, yeah. They will push themselves so far. Well, Kenneth and Dan, I, I mean, they're both, they work for me. They, I, I, I would imagine one of those two is going to die in the next 10 years because they're so stupid in a good way. They can push themselves to a point. They will just fall over. Right. It's not going to be one of those. Oh, you're 65%. You failed. You had another whatever, you know, when I say 35% then you or whatever. No, they're going to die. Right. When their body fails, that's as much as they've got. Well, most people, you know, when they're hiking in, they're going to convince themselves to head back early because of a mild discomfort, a knee pain. They're worried about their wives you know, this is stupid. Why am I away from my family? Sleep deprivation. If you ever want to ruin someone's life, just take their sleep. That's all it takes. Just if you don't like your neighbor, take their sleep away. I promise they'll go crazy. On a backpack (laughs) hunt, you're not used to, you know, you're not used to sleeping on an air pad. So you've got sleep deprivation, some food deprivation, certainly potentially hydration deprivation. And then pretty soon, your mind is just caving, right? It's just, it's just like literally like a balloon just going down. Well, then you're like, oh, you know what? Is my wife cheating on me? My kid's going to hate me. Oh, my boss is going to fire me. You'll just make shit up to come off the mountain. And whatever demons you've had, they're coming out. Meaning like, were you a bad dad? Were you a bad husband? Were you a bad friend? Were you what? It's coming out on a backpack, on a 14-day solo backpack. Hunt. I promise you it's all coming out. And people don't realize that. So like, that's like that show alone. Yeah. If they make it 70, 80 days. They're probably doing okay mentally because that is a stretch. I mean that that's tough.
0: Oh, I can't imagine doing that. I mean, for me, I lived in the east, like basically Minnesota, and I drew that North Dakota tag, and so I spent a. I knew what I had. I really knew I was special. I drew it on the first year I applied to, and it's there's no points. Like,
1: north Northwest,
0: where uh, where are you at? I, I'm in. I was in Minnesota. The tag was in Western Mo, Mo, North Dakota, like the Mandora Badlands. Okay. Yeah. And um, actually, right, I shot that bull within like a couple miles of where the old like number three world record was shot, okay. um, like four thirty seven monster. But, um, so I'd go out. I mean, I knew what I had, and I knew I wanted to do it justice. So I was going out every weekend I could to scout, to learn roads, to check out areas. Amy. And there's something that doesn't okay. matter about um, doing that in like your home state when you're just a couple hours from home. Like you're still alone. There's still shitty reception. You're not talking to anyone but it's something about like I'm still in my home state. It's not that bad. But then when I was out in Colorado in the mountains and on a on a what I like, did a solo alpine third second rifle and um and then we got bad weather and I you know I kind of hit the the trifecta you already talked about. I probably wasn't drinking enough. I know I wasn't eating enough. I wasn't sleeping great and I was just like what am i doing and like you're not talking to anyone and it was it was a much different feeling and i'll i'll admit i did not make it anywhere close to 14 days i only planned to be out there 9 days and by like day 4 i'm like stuff's not going right it snowed so much i took my wall tent down and i was just sleeping in the back seat of my truck and it, you know and then i eventually i was going up and i had elk i could see them they're 2 miles you know over on this ridge i got to go a mile up 2 miles over i'm shoot, hunting with a rifle and I was post-holing through, like, 12 inches of snow, and I was cramping up, like, every 50 feet. And this is, like, 12,000 feet, and I've drink, got flat.
1: Not drinking enough water.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I was, like, you know, I'm I'm a flatlander. I live at about 1,000 feet, so I had the flatlander's yeah. lungs. And um, yeah. and I'm, like, looking at these elk, I'm like, I can't do it. Like, if I shoot one of these, like, I, I don't know how I'm going to get it off the mountain. I'm like, I, I don't, I, this yeah. isn't going to work. I can't shoot an animal I can't get out. And so I'm like, you know what? Effort. I'm just going to go to camp. I'm going to go – no, I'm going to go down to town. I got a pizza and a hotel for the night. I slammed yeah. that pizza, chugged water, slept in a real bed, and then, like, two days later, I shot a really nice bowl. But th- it was shocking to me because I thought I was like, oh, I'm mentally tough enough to do a week in the mountains by myself. I've done weekends. I've done this. I've done that. I've shot elk before. Man, did that – that was an eye-opener for me. Yeah. You know, and I mean as you say
1: that and, and, and I you know, I've had people, especially people that dislike me, like, oh you're you're those, you're so smart, you know you you're just better than everybody else, you're that tough. And it's like, no, I've just fucked everything up already. So I already know all these problems because I did it wrong or I failed, or you know what I mean when I say that, like it's not like I'm laughing at people because when I'm like, Oh yeah, you make shit up, whatever I did it, right? I've I've done this yeah. my entire life. And so When I say things like that, it's not because I I just popped out of the womb, mentally strong, able to take on the world. It's just because over time I've done, I've made a lot of mistakes and I've sorted a lot of demons out and everything else to where now I can. Yeah, dude, I can pretty much do whatever I want, but it wasn't, it certainly wasn't always that way. And, you know, when I, when I take guys out, like if you and I went hunting, I don't ever get frustrated about anything. I might mention something and then later on when it goes bad for you, I'll be like, Yeah, I kind of saw that. I ah, don't worry about this. It'll buff out. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a learning experience. So I don't ever get like super yeah frustrated at it. Because part of it too is like I am reliving my youth. I'm reliving the best days of my life as I learn this, as I watch somebody making mistakes. Cause I'm like, fuck, I remember when I did that.
0: Yeah. You're that almost a horrible day. Yeah. <laughs> you're laughing to like commiserate, not laughing at them, but like, you're, you know, you're more of this. So just laughing at yourself. Yeah. Like, man, I remember <laughs> how you feel, but
1: yeah, it was shocking. hundred oh, like, percent. That's a hundred percent. Yeah.
0: It, you know, that's when people ask me like, Hey, what should you do on this? I'm like, I would really recommend, like, I'm willing to tell you anything you want, but it might not be the answer you're looking for. You know, and is, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask you. It's like, in your experience, you've obviously done this a lot and you probably have a large network of people that you've kind of talked through coached through is the only way to really do it is to just start slow and keep at it. Like do a two day or do a weekend, do a three day, do a four day, do a five day, six day, eight day, like just start small, keep doing it and just keep pushing yourself one baby step farther than you did last time
1: somewhat i would say though like r- reality if you can't do a four day or uh, in the beginning just don't backpack hunt right <laughs> if, you, if you can't make it four days in the beginning it's probably not for you and there's nothing wrong with that you know i mean there's nothing it's just it, it's not again like you know what i can't golf i can't file my taxes worth a shit my I, I my wife is my savior there's certain things i can't do but I can stay the night and I've always been able to stay many, many days on my own in in the wilderness. I can do that. Other people, if you get to day two and you're like ready to pull the pin, just don't backpack on anymore. But if you can do four to five days, the first time at that point, you may never need to do any more than that. You're going to be perfecting at that point, your gear, your strategies, your food, dialing those things in and potentially looking at longer trips. Yeah. If you try to do four to five days and one to two nights you're done, all you're going to be at that point is just figuring out, okay, maybe a one-nighter, right? Uh, you know, and, and if you're financially stable, right, and you're into hunting, but you're, um, what am I trying to say here? You might just always need to be with people and maybe go with the guide. So like if you're, you know, you're, you're making right. half a million dollars a year, you want to do some guided hunts, but you're not sure about you know, long backpack hunts. That's where guys like me and other, you know, badass, you know, guides, I'm not saying I'm a badass guide, other badass guides come into play. They keep you motivated. They keep you feeling warm and fuzzy. They keep you on the mountain. They keep you from mentally breaking down. That's what guides are for when you're going solo again, like that's where you kind of weigh it out. Like if you, if you're not really good after three to four days, but you want to do a a dull sheep hunt or, or something, your guide is going to help you through that. Yeah. Solo. You're probably fucked. Yeah. You're probably, <laughs> probably.
0: Yeah. And I think, like you said, for me, like I knew it was going to be like dull, boring by yourself. It's going to be a challenge. I was kind of prepared for all that. What I think did me in is I, I it was cold and then I just stopped eating and I was eating like a taco and yeah. a half a day. And I just yeah. wasn't hungry. And then that like the wheel started falling off uh-huh. the bus really fast after I quit eating
1: altitude is is one of those things too that 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 really take away your appetite so you have to kind
0: of You know and I probably I didn't know eat. that. I knew enough about altitude that knew it, it can mess you up but I've never I've never really noticed any visible like sickness. And so I just thought like I don't know maybe I'm lucky. I've never gotten altitude sickness. I'd knock on wood I hope it never yeah, happened.
1: Not, yeah and it's not technically like altitude sickness it's just you lose some of your appetite for whatever reason when you're at
0: Well some people you know, get like messed altitude, up though, right? For,
1: yeah. You have, um, uh, whatever haste past, um, hypoxia. you know, yeah, you can get pretty jacked up. I mean, you could die from it if you're not careful, but, um, the biggest symptoms, obviously you're going to have a splitting headache. Um, you know, have trouble breathing. The headache is yeah. going to be the big portion and the only way to get that headache to go away is drop altitude. I'm lucky enough. I've never, you know, crossed fingers, never in my life up to been up to 17,000 feet never got altitude sickness, but I know guys after nine, 10,000 feet. Yeah. They're, they're worthless. Like tough guys. I mean, tough guys. And it it has nothing to do with how tough they are. Yeah. Their body is just prone to to altitude sickness.
0: Yeah. And I think living there helps. I mean, we had a buddy this year in Colorado. He lived there. He helped us out. He was on the podcast, took a shed hunting. Great guy. And so we go at Elkhart and he comes with us and he's running laps around everybody. We're pi- we're hiking out of this Canyon at night and it's a steep Canyon. I mean, I was like, okay, this is pretty steep. Um, a couple guys in our group, they were like coasting at the red line. I mean, like the, yeah. we were getting a little worried. Something was going to pop. <laughs> and this guy, yeah. Steven, you could tell he wanted to go a little faster and half of our group was already up at the truck. And so we're like, Hey Steven, if you want to go, go. And so he just starts running up the hill, up the trail, catches up with the other guy and then just keeps talking like he didn't didn't even phase him and we get back to the truck and i'm like dude you're like a billy goat out here you're putting us to shame he's like man i got covid last month and ever since then my lungs have been at like 30 percent i'm like wow way to kick a guy when he's down you just (laughs) ran all over the mountain on us and he got covid (laughs) yeah
1: yeah yeah Uh, yeah, living like our old house was at ten thousand feet when we lived in colorado so it definitely any you know just being at high altitude I, I, it definitely gives you a an advantage or i guess white blood cell count yeah uh, specifically so yeah yeah no it, it definitely but yeah does. i mean I, to, I think though that you know anybody that wants to come out west i i encourage it it's just you know anything more than four or five days i think is probably a pipe dream for for most people on their first or second trip um and you know the other thing too is um, don't ever listen to a unicorn when you're getting advice. So I'll give you an example of a unicorn. The first unicorn is the guy that says, Oh, I can do seven days. No problem with a 22 pound pack. It, it's easy. Like you just got to go ultra light. And there's people like that that can do, let's just say 30, you can do seven days with 30 pounds. No problem. That's a unicorn. Don't listen to that guy. That guy is ultra light. And if he's not full of shit, he's very good at what he does, but he's, un- he's unique, right? He's, he's, okay. he's, the, he's yeah. He's over here in this bracket. Then you have the guy that's Marines are notorious for this. Just throw it in the pack. It makes you tougher. Don't pounds, listen to that yeah. guy either. <laughs> yeah. That guy's full of shit too. And and when I say that, meaning if you're going in for five, we'll just say five days, somewhere around 40 pounds is an average weight, a little less, you know, a little more somewhere in there. And, and again, usually a little bit less on a, on a five day hunt, 40 pounds is Good, comfortable weight, meaning you got a comfortable pad, comfortable sleep system, you got good food, and you're not carrying anything too stupid with 40 pounds. But there's unicorns that are like, oh, no, 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 I'll I'll pack in a six-pack. Yeah, don't – another unicorn, don't listen to them. The the next thing would be is the, the biggest thing to focus on is have fun, don't go too fast, go at your own pace, and everything is a blessing. What you learn is a blessing. If you see animals is a blessing. Everything is just a gift. And take it for what it is. Do not focus on the kill. And and I'm a bloodthirsty fucking dude, right? I mean, I love killing, <laughs> but focus on the the good things that you learned. And the next time you go out, if you weren't successful the first time, um, you're going to learn from that first trip, and your next trip will be even better.
0: Yeah, I do think it's something that you know it. If you if you're going to do it, like it's not a one and done. I mean, you're going to do it and learn and want to do it again. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a evolution. Um, yep. and so, yeah, take it off bite-sized chunks at a time, do something, do another thing, change it up, go higher, go lower, go longer. I was going to laugh and say my day pack weighs more than 22 pounds. So I don't know who's t- telling you that you can do a five-day around on 22 pounds, but, I mean, maybe that's just me being a flatlander that we just think we need to bring more gear than we no, probably really do, but.
1: No, no, I mean, dude, that's just,
0: uh. Yeah, I'm a happy medium guy with everything from my arrow weight to
1: my pack weight. I mean, I'm just that guy that's kind of like always right in the middle. Um, there there are guys that I know one specifically because he drives me crazy because he's always the unicorn in the group promoting other unicorns that are not ready to be a unicorn. Of uh, <laughs> they have other mules you know, that haven't hey, grown in their horn yet.
0: <laughs> oh dude, yeah. Oh Lord, man, I'm telling you, but like,
1: oh no, I can do, you know, twenty four pounds, I can I can go six days easy. I mean, and, and some people can, and if I had to, of course, if I had to, I could, but okay. So 26 pounds compared to 38, 12 pound difference. How much did my comfort increase with 12 pounds? Right. I can tell you my food comfort went up a lot. Sleeping probably went up when I say that maybe a little bit better sleeping pad, um, you know, things of that nature. And so, um, you know, for example, I bring a battery pack because I like to listen to audio books to help me go to sleep. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in, in things like that. So the battery pack, that's going to be a pound. You know, that's going to be 8 to 16 ounces, depending upon how large of a battery pack you have. That's important for me. I like electrolyte mix. I like to brush my teeth, right? So like electrolyte mix, if I carry Element or ProTech or whatever, those are things that help me drink water. I like that. It helps me stay hydrated. Those ultralight guys are the guys that are just really good at suffering. I've also found most of them don't kill shit. So that's part of it, too. <laughs> some of them do. I mean, some of them are good at it, but most of them are really good at backpacking. Yeah. And so again, weighing that out, but if you're going to get advice, I would say that you want to get advice from someone that's successful, successful at what they do. Um, and when I say successful, truly backpack hunting and successful Yeah. and then kind of, you know, get your advice from two or three of those guys. So if you're listening to a dude that only climbs Mount Everest, he's going to be a, a wealth of knowledge for many, many, many things. But getting an animal out is not one of them, but he might have some good clothing advice. He, you know, right. it's no different from ultralight backpackers. He may have some gear hacks, but if he's never packed an elk out, you know, I don't take advice from some fat dude on running marathons. He probably never ran one, right? And you don't <laughs> take advice in powerlifting from a stick figure, right? You got to kind of hang out and get advice from the crew that, that fits your what you're wanting to do.
0: Yeah. I think that's a lot of really good things to think about for people that are out there wanting to do backpack hunting. Um, and like you said, thanks to you and a whole bunch of other people. Now, a lot of people do want to do backpack hunting and they're looking for, you know, how do I get into this? So,
1: yeah, no, that is, that is a fact. And, and, uh, I mean, and I, you know, I, I love it. Like I'm, I'm glad I'm initially the, the, uh, the gate, uh, the, the entry uh, was not as easy. The, the easy buttons were, were not the prevalent you know, before, uh, where now they are a lot easier, but just remember those easy buttons come at a toll and that toll you may not realize till later. And so like if your GPS goes down and you didn't learn to read a map or a compass, that's a pretty heavy price to pay later on if you don't know how to get the fuck out when your GPS goes down or, or your Spartan Forger goes down. The other thing, too, is like food or, uh, you know, things like that of, of um, if you if you haven't learned exactly what you're able to eat and you try to just fly into the backcountry for 10 days and you didn't test the food or your caloric burn, you're either going to never shit. You're going to shit your ass off. <laughs> you're going to starve. I mean, you got you know, that just takes time to learn where right now you can just type it in and you can get a you can get a food list from a YouTube video I did but that doesn't mean that's the food list for you. So, you, you know, there is some, there's a barrier to entry. It's just a lot easier now.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, the last question I wanted to ask you, because you are, I would say you, you really enjoy gear. I mean, you've started one, and now you're part of a second gear company, and you have the, the gear, you know, talks. Besides the common stuff, like, I think a lot of people will always say boots, like boots are, you know, worth their weight in gold on these things. But like, aside from like the common stuff, what do you find? That's like, maybe not thought of that. You are using in your pack all the time that you don't think most people are bringing. Um, so yeah, boots and packs are, are
1: definitely the two that are, they're on your body all the time. So right. those ones are a gimme. Yeah. So, you know, the next one's going to be honestly, uh, when I say honestly, the blister prevention is goofy as it sounds. Luco tape.
0: Yeah. Like, okay. like,
1: ways to to just look at it this way if if uh if a tank hits an M21 mine it's a catastrophic kill that tank's done what is going to catastrophic kill your hunt your feet your feet yeah okay next thing's going to be your ass crack monkey butt <laughs> monkey butt will end the hunt right and so people are like no way i'm like oh no i've seen it like like physical things and and it's your feet and then your and in your, your monkey butt right and so Preparing for that, making sure you have, whether that be gold bond, wet wipes, whatever you need, because until you've got swamp ass in the backcountry, you haven't lived because it will make you, I mean, cry. And so learning like, okay, if you start to get some issues with your feet or swamp ass, sleeping nude to dry things out, sleeping without your socks on to dry your feet out, and then honestly, you know, cleanliness and everything else, people are like – yeah, I never I guess that is important. It's like, well, if you can't walk, you're done. Right. Yeah. And so the, the next one is a communication device. And I wouldn't say these are in order necessarily. You want me to shut up, baby? No. Um, what's that? Will you? Um, so the next one. Uh, communication, if you have family, because it will keep you on the mountain to talk to your wife, to talk to friends, to talk to family when you're first going. And um, I think that um, uh, people don't realize, I guess, it could save a marriage, it could save your time in the field or whatever, but get some kind of, of a communication device set up to talk to your family when you start to do like backpack hunts or, or things like that. The next one's food. You know, if you uh, if, if you have not figured out your caloric intake, of you, not you have not figured out what food you like or dislike, things like that. Your chloric burn that can end your time, you know, in the field pretty quickly, too, if you just bonk. And then the next one's hydration. People carry some, you know, there's crazy things in the field, you know, as far as like how they purify water, what they do, you know, how much water they take in, and, and so just staying hydrated and the easiest way to do that. Um, those are some bigger ones that. People probably think about, but probably don't think about it as much as they probably should. Thank you,
0: man. Oh, I think the, like, the Luco tape, the feet thing, huge. And I don't think I've heard anyone talk about that. I mean, we've had John Barclow on the podcast, who's obviously a wealth of knowledge. But it's like, it makes sense. Every vehicle in America comes with a spare tire, and there's no spare tire when you're 10 miles back.
1: And is and a gangster. Like, he and I are pretty much mirror image on every, a lot of we stuff, do seminars yeah. together. and, and Yeah, we, we, we're pretty close to the same thing. The the tape thing and and when I say Luco tape, whatever it is, because maybe not just Luco tape, but also a blister kit. Having the freaking a, a blister kit and having the wherewithal to stop, yeah, before you get a blister is yeah. another one in pre-tape or pre-taping in general. And you know you see, well, if you haven't gotten blisters on your heels and tried to hike uphill, you just haven't lived yet. It will ruin your day. And I mean, when I say ruin your day, there are things in my life that I, I can't remember i can't remember people's names i can't remember a lot of my childhood but the first time on that trail crew team when we did a long backpacking trip i remember the blisters i got from that trip that was in 1990 yeah like it was yesterday they were so bad and there was no leukotape back then but i can promise you you and i go hunting and your buddy that i don't know and we kill an elk and we're three miles into a canyon he's got blisters I guarantee he'll think about committing suicide before he comes out of that hole and 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 leukotape tape can can help that not happen, so
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, those' a lot of good tips um and it doesn't weigh a lot, especially like I think John's favorite saying is knowledge doesn't weigh anything, but a lot of these things don't weigh a lot either I mean
1: John stole that from me by the way oh yeah.
0: Oh, really? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, there's a lot of things we steal from each other. I'm not going to lie. Well, uh, I never said it was his the, saying. Um, I just
0: said it was his favorite saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he and I, we when I say that, he's one of my best friends. But, uh, uh, you know, the whole uh, the difference between knowledge and wisdom, things like that. <laughs> yeah. um, because I mean, and we preach the same stuff. And, and I say that he's as jaded as I am when I say jaded. Some of you can tell when he gives gear advice, sometimes he's a little frustrated. Um, it's probably from people not listening at times to his gear advice. And then, and it, 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 it bothers and I say bothers him. It, 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 I hate to see a hardworking individual on a tight budget, not listen and cost them their hunt or cost them an yeah. animal or, or whatever that it does frustrate me. Cause I remember, you know, I've, I've been on a budget the majority of my life and, I was young and dumb too. And I had people telling me what to do and I was smarter than they were, didn't listen and look back and I'm like, man, I really wish I listened to that guy. So John has to deal with that a lot. And he's an extremely knowledgeable individual. So,
0: yeah, no kidding. So, well, Aaron, I do appreciate the time tonight. Appreciate being able to get this one recorded and, and all the you know stories and, and knowledge you got for us, but I do want to respect your time and let you get back to your evening with the family. Um, before we do break, I want to give you a chance to, uh, share with the audience uh, what you got going on, where they can find you and follow along for more.
1: Uh, that's a long, I've got all kinds of crap going on. So my uh, <laughs> Instagram page is Aaron, A-R-O-N Snyder. Um, if you want, there's videos on the Kafaru K-I-F-A-R-U YouTube page. Um, I'm a partnership with multiple different outfitting businesses, uh, Topo Texas Outfitters. That's mule deer, owdad, elk, antelope, uh, some whitetail, kafaro outfitters, that's uh, desert big, or excuse me, California bighorn, mountain goat, moose, lion, lynx, bobcat, elk, bear, mule deer, some other shit I can't remember. I'm guiding for North River outfitters in northern British Columbia for stone sheep and mountain goat this year, if anybody's wanting to hunt like that. Um, Born Primitive is a clothing company I'm involved in, um, photography, there's a Snyder's Gear Corner page. There's a Snyder's Photography page. So yeah, there's shit all over the place. Um, I'm I'm into photography as much as I am hunting. So and I'm probably forgetting some, some stuff with all that. But I'm, I got close. There you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll put some of the links to those places in the in the description. But I think it's pretty safe to say if you Google Aaron Snyder, you'll start finding these things, um, wherever good, they are. Good and bad. <laughs> good and bad. You got a lot of irons in the fire, so it might take them a while. yeah yeah but yeah
1: yeah. i appreciate you having me on man i'm I'm glad i could actually make it happen my schedule is so crazy so um i follow along with what you do you got a good thing going so good good info
0: thank you well thank you for being here once again aaron and thank you for listening folks